This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Kia ora, no mai hari mai, kua tai te wā ki hipuna kōrero, ko Joe Wrigley tēnei. This is a podcast hosted by Waikato Environment Centre, or GoEco, where a voice for the tile, or environment, a centre for ako, learning, and a catalyst for change. Hipuna kōrero shares the aspirations and mahi of our team and community as we work towards a vision of healthy environments and thriving communities. Last week, Kelly spoke to Hamilton Mayor Paula Southgate about water quality, gully restoration and their climate action policy to encourage us to think about what we might want from our elected members and the candidates vying for our vote with the local body election this year. You can listen to our most recent episodes by searching for Hipuna Korero on your favourite podcast platform or you can find a link to the podcast tab at the top of the GoEco Waikato Facebook page. This week I'm joined by long-standing Hamilton City Councillor Dave McPherson, also known as Dave Mack. And we're going to chat about trains uh, because why would you want to talk about you know the Waikato Regional Council um, indicators for land transport emissions or the Land Transport Management Act or any of those other legislative things when actually is much more fun to talk about trains. I thought one of the things that we could talk about today is where we've come from regionally in terms of trains and one of those things that not many people know is that there's rail tracks that crisscross the entire Waikato region, not to mention that there is an underground station in uh, Kirikiridua, Hamilton. Is that right, Dave? Absolutely. Uh, and the story goes with the underground station, which is sort of runs from um, under um, uh, the warehouse through to Centre Place, and I'm back to Kmart, really. That's a, it's quite a long, about 80 or 90 metre platform there. Um, was only in use for about 18 months in the late 70s, early 80s, and they closed it down. I've heard various stories. But we, one of the things the council did when the warehouse was being built on the an old uh, Tainui-owned site, the old bus centre site, is preserve the right to access that. There's a set of stairs underneath the, the warehouse loading bay just at the side of Anglesey Street. So it physically wouldn't take much to open that up and get onto that platform again. A whole lot of other operational security issues, but in a physical sense, it's there, it's heavily graffitied, but apart from that, it's ready to go. Wow. So we could see Tehuya, our, our regional uh, rail link, um, through there if there is the will? Yeah, absolutely. That bit of the line is on what's called the east 
East Coast main trunk line, which goes from basically Frankton Station, where it joins the North Island main trunk um, between Wellington and Auckland, goes out to Tauranga and I think down to, to, to Pukki for freight and things like that. Um, it used to also split off to Rotorua and Cambridge. Neither, uh, it goes as far as Hotapu, that line. Um, it goes through um, Morrinsville and Matamata and then through the Kaimais to Tauranga and the Mount. So um, you would have to work out a time when freight trains weren't coming through because it's the only line for freight coming from the port of Tauranga. But again, the the rail people on Kiwi Rail say that's not impossible. It's just a matter of juggling times in a technical sense, um, making sure you've got enough gap to back into there, load up and take off again. Uh-huh. Though we are looking at possibly uh, a new, I know that, TGH is looking at a new, that's Tainui Group Holdings who own that centre place area, looking at shifting the platform further west a bit underneath their new planned shopping centre there. And we're ah. also looking at the possibility of, of doing it immediately as it comes out of the underground beside Seddon Park, the practice wickets at the south end of Seddon Park cricket ground, where you could have a step down to this plus train platform there so there's it's definitely being looked at not just for Tahuya but for a rail going through to Tauranga and for sort of a a connection through to all sorts of other parts of the Waikato as well. Oh this sounds I like I like my little train loving heart is beating very fast right now (laughs) the um uh, one of the things that comes up often in the community when we're talking about climate action and rail and trains and freight um is like many of us don't understand why a freight train, like a regular freight train, cannot have a passenger cabin or caboose or whatever they're called in modern terms um, also attached to them because we live in rural towns around the region where a train goes through like clockwork work twice a day, um, but no passengers are allowed. Yeah, look, it's sort of, a, I guess, a health and safety issue with the new regulations. Freight trains don't have people apart from up in the driving cabin, yeah. and they um, they don't stop at platforms. They they sometimes, quite often, are on sidings that go yeah. off into factories and, and loading areas and timber yards and that sort of thing. They don't actually go to the passenger platforms, um, though they go past quite a few. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and in the old times, in the rural areas, exactly the sort of thing they did. You could hop on the uh, milk train up the far north. I remember my father telling me stories about uh, that when we lived in Northland. That if you the train went right through to almost to the Hokianga Harbour, and uh, it was a catch-all train. It picked up milk crates beside farms. It picked up timber, it picked up passengers, uh, <laughs> did all that sort of stuff. But that was back before they had health and safety regulations and um, different sort of operational things. In we, fact, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say Kiwi Rails uh, now is organised in totally separate compartments, if you like. There's freight 
people and there's passenger people and never the twain, twain shall mix except they happen to use the same railway line. I, uh, I regularly make myself look um, probably much older than I really am uh, by talking about catching uh, the train at uh, the Taniatua Rail Yards uh, oh, yeah. to, to Rotorua, um, going across the uh, Pikitahi Road and Rail Bridge, rickety yeah. thing that it is, um, or was um, in the 70s, actually, as a child. That was how we got to Rotorua um, in the school holidays if you were going to visit the grandparents. Oh, um, right. Now they stopped the Rotorua Rail Station and the rail line. You, there's a bit of rail line up on the Mamaku Plateau, and that's about as close as it gets now. Yeah. Um, or they've um, tar-sealed over, um, or oh, the Taniatua Rail has gone. Um, that branch of it through to Awakiri is, is all yeah. been tar-sealed over now. It that's doesn't right. exist yeah. anymore. Yeah. They call it Awateri Junction because that was the rail junction originally. Yeah. But it's not anymore. <laughs> yeah, you could go to Fakatani or, or Taniatua. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, times have changed. And, and I guess trains have come back because there's been the campaign for Tehuia um, and the interest in it. And, and COVID aside, um, my understanding is Tahuya has um, had surprisingly good results and is increasing um, its frequency. Am I right in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall, look, it, it, there's been some problems. So the train was probably leaving, the first train was leaving a bit early in the morning to go to Auckland. So mm-hmm. it didn't have great passenger numbers. The second one had much better ones. And the weekend ones, and I've been on one of these, standing room only and i'm not exaggerating um, seen the photos <laughs> yeah so uh very very popular and what it's led to is a rejuggling of daytime timelines but COVID hit it and everything stopped because you couldn't yeah. have inter-regional passenger rail um yes. they stopped it until we went back to level two and then um they had to have both ends, of course, Waikato and Auckland, both in the same conditions, which didn't happen until only a matter of three weeks ago. So we're restarting the whole thing in a couple of weeks' time, maybe one week's time. I can't remember the date now, but uh, it, hopefully it'll go well from now on without interruptions. But we're, we're going to... It, put a second uh, Saturday service on as a plan and a Sunday evening service. There's all sorts of constrictions at the moment. It's very frustrating because for 30 years, no New Zealand government invested in rail, not even for freight, really. And um, the rail line going through South Auckland, Auckland, is completely munted and they're having to spend literally billions of dollars on doing that up, which then affects our timetable. So there are some Saturdays when we, we simply can't run because they're ripping up the tracks to replace them. Uh, all through Sunday, the Auckland trains can't run, we can't run, um, though after 5pm we can run, which is why we're talking about an evening service for people that have gone up, say, on Saturday morning and then come back on Saturday evening there. Um, Sounds good. And we're talking about a return service from Auckland during the morning. So it's not just Hamilton or Waikato people going up to Auckland um, 
during the working day and then coming back in the evening, it's Aucklanders hopping on the mid-morning train down to Hamilton, stay for a night or go back that, e- that evening, that afternoon if they want to, just that, for a short meeting. So we're trying to make it um, the offer uh, much more encompassing a lot more different needs than currently is happening. And that's yeah. met some pretty good responses to that so far. Um, the numbers will be too early to tell, really. And that's one of the problems with rail. People need it to be more convenient and that we've been able to make it at the moment. Um, it's like bus services. If you run a bus service once every two hours, most people won't bother because they won't have a timetable. They won't know when the next one's coming. But if you run it every 10 minutes, they won't worry because if they see a bus going down the road uh, that's past them, only you have to look up the other end of the road and the next one will be coming. And you need to have train service somewhat like that. And then people start trusting it and they know it's no matter what, it's going to be useful to them and work for them. And that's the sort of sea change. We we used to be working towards that even in New Zealand before governments and their wisdom collapsed the rail services in the 1980s, part of Rogernomics. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, they had nothing but um, short-term financial considerations in mind when they did that, um, and they didn't couldn't even see that the cost of cars having everyone with you know two cars in every household was huge to the community in all sorts of different ways, um, and that rail is a much more environmentally effective and efficient way of moving people between centres. Um, and in some cases, like what you were talking about with your childhood background, Joe, of connecting communities as well. I mean, mm. the song about Tomaranui on the main trunk line. Yeah. Well, the damn train doesn't even stop in Tomaranui now. <laughs> and that's I, it's interesting because there's a campaign for people in in um, Palmerston North, uh, Whanganui, Tomaranui, Tekawiti, and we're joining it in Hamilton to get a, a daytime passenger rail service going in, mm-hmm. um, that connects all of those towns and then to Wellington and Auckland at each end of that trip. So that's, in fact, there's a first meeting this Friday um, that we're having of that in Hamilton. So oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. And these things will take a while. I mean, Tahuya took two and a half years to get going from when we got the go-ahead and people yeah. saying, how did you get it going so quick? From my <laughs> point of view, it was damn slow. But uh, it was, you know, it had been 18 years since we last had a train to Auckland. Um, so two and a half years probably wasn't too bad considering. It's very good, actually. And and, and what do you think created that momentum? Was it Was it like, political will or um, or a combination of political will and, and public desire? Look, it was both of those. It was um, the realisation that you have to address climate change with changes in transport uh, in an area like Hamilton, for instance. 60% of the carbon emissions are from transport. Now, you're not going to solve all of that by having a train to Auckland, but that is part of the solution, plus having good public transport around uh, Hamilton as well. We have, there were figures that I saw, staggering figures about three or four months ago that said 140,000 vehicle movements a day 
happened between Cambridge and Hamilton. That's not just the ones originating in Cambridge, but come through on that route. Now, that'll be half going each way. This will be going back in the evening and whatever. And uh, that's a phenomenal number of cars. Now, what's the cost uh, in carbon emissions, in parking provision, in building cost of building roads and accidents, all sorts <laughs> to that. When if you had a rail, regular, frequent um, and affordable rail running on the same route, you could really start to soak up those passenger numbers. Um, and there are places in Europe with similar populations where that is happening. It's not just the great big centres with you know two million people that run fast trains between them. You have moderate speed trains that are doing that sort of job. I went, when I was on uh, the Churchill Fellowship looking at transport in Europe, I went to a town in Switzerland, the north of Switzerland actually sticks up into the enclave inside Germany, and they have 55% of their commuters, it's a town of about 60,000 people, a third Hamilton size, but they 60% of their people used the bus each day to come in, and parking was banned in the centre of the town, um, and there were some lovely old areas that were great for walking there. And uh, you were sort of a second-class citizen if you were a car driver. You could use it, and no one sort of charged you extra. You just couldn't get as easily to the places as you wanted <laughs> as with the buses there, or they were about uh, 45 minutes from the big city, Zurich, which is smaller than all population-wise, and they, they had a train every half hour between Schaffhausen and Zurich going as well during the daytime and I think it was down to about hourly in the evenings. So, you know, they they had it sussed. If you wanted to drive, you could, but it was actually more convenient to use that public transport, including trains. Yeah, well, I've, I mean, I myself have lived in cities overseas where it's, it's just downright inconvenient to own a car. Yeah. Like, to, to, to store it, to park it, to drive it, all of those things are just a hassle. Yes. And, um, and as um, as Hamilton develops into a compact city, um, there, there must be a place for trains and, and regional connection. Um, we're going to have to wind it up there, but, <laughs> like, thank you for your time. Um, if, like, you know, you've made my heart sing. Um, I love the trains. <laughs> I live in Morrinsville, and people do get sick of me complaining about listening to a train or driving into Hamilton alongside a train. I'm lucky to be able to work from home. Um, but we are looking forward to um, our Go Eco team when we travel to Auckland for business this year, being able to travel by train. So, um, you know, our thanks to the councillors and campaigners who have uh, stood stood fast to get us some, uh, some rail transport, at least between the two cities at this time. Yeah, and being able to have a wine on the way back. Don't forget, Joe. <laughs> if you're not the driver <laughs> from the station. <laughs> oh, that sounds um, very nice for the people that can. Um, and uh, it's like kind of posh, really, um, yeah. and <laughs> for public transport to be able to do that. Now, at the beginning, or before we started recording, I asked if you had a song. Can you think of one yet? Oh, no, I've been too busy thinking of trains, um, <laughs> all sorts of um, train songs, but I uh, can't really, um, no, nothing comes to mind. Sorry, Joe. It's all good. I'll find something you, and we'll you dedicate find it to you and your years of service, <laughs> Dave. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Yeah. Kaki Bye. Kaki
shuffling madness of the locomotive breath runs the all-time loser head long to his death oh it feels a piston scraping steam breaking on his brow His children jumping off the stations one by one. His woman and his best friend in bed and having fun. Oh, he's calling down the corridor on his hands and knees. A show hosted by Goeco Waikato, Goeco or the Waikato Environment Centre, and a not-for-profit environment hub with biodiversity, kai, transport, and enterprise projects. You can find out more about our work on social media at Goeco Waikato, or by heading to our website goeco.org.nz, or even better. Pop into 188 Commerce Street, Frankton, Hamilton. Join us again next week for a new episode, but make sure you follow or subscribe to Hepuna Corridor on your favourite podcast so you don't miss an episode. Kia pai tura e hoa
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.